Good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you today. Amen. I love how, you know, we, we don't simply attend church. We come to encounter the risen Christ. We come to uh, uh, encounter His presence in our lives through our, our worship and our fellowship and, and through the preaching of the Word as we allow the Word to be like seeds sown into fertile soil that will produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. This isn't just a church service we check off our spiritual uh, box and say, hey, I did that, I did that, I did that. No, that's what I love about the body of Christ. I love about the church uh, of Jesus Christ. It is a place where we come and we encounter the risen Christ. And so I'm so grateful and thankful to be with you uh, today and uh, appreciate so much. Uh, Gaylord is a special place uh, for me. My college roommate 150 years ago was uh, from Gaylord. And uh, so it's a, it's a special pl- place. And uh, uh, I want to just take a, a few minutes. I want to share with you um, our ministry, what we do, uh, and um, then we'll get into the preaching of the word. <clears throat> As Brother Roger said, my name is Randy Marin. My wife, Mary Jane, and I, um, we serve Middle Eastern refugees in the exotic location of Detroit. Um, <laughs> often get around my missionary friends and they're like, uh, oh, God's called me to Tanzania, all these exotic places, right? Tanzania, Inner Mongolia, uh, Tibet. And they're like, where, where do you serve? Uh, Detroit. <laughs> they're like, why is God mad at you, bro? <laughs> and I'm like, how did I get there? Well, I want to share with you. First of all, uh, at the age of 21, I got saved at the age of 21 out of a life of drugs and alcohol and severe depression. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. Faithful. Faithful. Uh, I was contemplating ending my life, and uh, I cried out to God, and I said, God, if you're really real, would you do something? Because I'm done. How many know God is really real? (laughs) Come on now. He's really real. Saved, came down, his grace came down that day, got invited to church a couple weeks later, gave my life to Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit, met my wife, Uh, we got married, started our family, we have five children, four boys and a girl, and uh, then at the age of 40, God called me into the ministry and uh, began to pastor a church uh, in 2004 in Metro Detroit, and uh, pastored there for 13 years. And I love pastoring. I, I love the church. The church was vibrant and healthy and alive. And, and then uh, over the course of a couple months, a few years ago, God began to shift uh, me to this ministry. Um, and he did it through a couple of scripture verses, doing my daily Bible reading, and uh, Psalm 82, 3 and 4 says, defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and the needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. And uh, God broke my heart for Middle Eastern refugees from the war-torn countries of Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan uh, that were coming to Metro Detroit, some uh, almost 20,000 now uh, in the area. And um, so God just broke my heart, and I began to pray about that. Lord, what do you want me to do? And just sensing that God was asking uh, us to devote our lives to them, uh, in, a, in a prayer meeting, a prophetic word came forward um, for, for me regarding this ministry. 
And uh, so I prayed about that for a, a while, and then uh, something happened that's never happened to me before. In the middle of the night, Jesus came to me in a vision. And regarding uh, Middle Eastern refugees, he said, this is the work that I have for you, and I will open the doors. And so it became, that was through that intense experience of that encounter, I uh, stepped away from the church and um, began to, to serve Middle Eastern refugees. And um, as I was leaving the church, one of the deacons said, Pastor, yes, we believe this is from the Lord because it says in the Bible that your old men shall dream dreams. So, uh, thanks, deacon. So we uh, began to, uh, go ahead to the next slide, we began to uh, reach out to Middle Eastern refugees. So what does our ministry look like? It's based on compassion ministries. We reveal Christ's love through our compassion uh, ministries. You know, Jesus said in uh, Luke 10, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, it's one of your uh, vision statements here also. Um, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he went on to tell the story of the, the Good Samaritan where we're called to, to reach out to those that have been left have been abandoned, left for dead, bruised and beaten by the world. So through those ministries, we build relationships, and those relationships lead to conversations uh, about Jesus. And um, so then we begin to, to talk about Jesus. Why are you, you know, we, we've been asked questions. Uh, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> are you from the government? <laughs> no, no, not from the government. Uh, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. He's not forgotten you. He's got a plan for your life, uh, a hope for your life. So uh, go ahead to the next slide. Um, through these compassion ministries, build relationships, present the gospel. Go ahead to the next slide. We, um, it's just, I want to show you a couple pictures of what, how this works. So uh, on the right there, we, we help. We have teams that come and help us. We work in refugees' homes sometimes. Uh, we help remodel their homes. And in, those, in that process, we build relationships with them, have conversations with them. On the left is a, a team member sharing his testimony um, with, with a man. And he ended up um, sharing the, the, the plan of salvation with this man, praying for, that, for him, for healing. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that we do. Go ahead to the, the next slide. Um, this is a picture of something that we've done, Compassion Ministries. We, uh, this young lady arrived. She's 19 years old, about to have her second uh, child from a war-torn area in Syria. And um, she's, uh, she asks us for help. And um, now she's saying, co contacting me, asking me to pray for her. You know, many times we'll be invited to come and pray uh, for people uh, when they're hurting. And now, and she just recently sent me a text, uh, Mr. Randy, can you take a video of you praying? <laughs> they appreciate our prayer. They, they believe in the power of prayer. And um, we've been asked many times to pray. As a matter of fact, testimony, um, one of the families that we've had uh, dinner with a couple of different times. And, and let me just stop here and, and, and preach a minute. Um, in, in your uh, mission statement, you, you have a, a statement there that talks about sharing the good news. Okay? 
I just want to encourage you, sharing the good news should flow out from who you are. It should not be, a, it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, we have an outreach program, we have an evangelistic program. No, you are God's man or woman on the scene wherever you go. You know, when you give your life to Christ, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells on the inside of you. And when Jesus sent out the 70, he said, tell them the kingdom of God is near. That's you. Wherever you go, that's where the kingdom of God is. And so you, amen, let's give the Lord a hand. So when you are present in a situation and you pray, the power of God comes down because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells on the inside of you. You don't need to say, oh, well, next week, you know, a, a person's coming or let me take you to the pastor. No, you, you are called. You have that power through having given your life to Christ. And so we just, we just are who we are. And so we've gone over, and these are all uh, Muslims um, that we feel called to, to serve um, and uh, to, to bring the good news to. And so when we go over to their house, we pray for when we have a meal, right? We, we pray over our meals, right? We still do that? Okay. Some of us still do. <laughs> uh, and so we just do it. We say, oh, you know, this is what we do as followers of Jesus. We pray over our meals. So we just do it as an outflow of who we are. Well, just recently, uh, my wife was having a conversation with one of the women, and she said, oh, uh, Miss Mary Jane, when are you coming over to eat? And, and she said, well, I don't know, Randy's schedule is such and such and real busy. Real busy. And she said, well, my wife said in, in her loving way, well, you know, forget him. I'll just come over. I'll just come over myself. And the young lady uh, looked at us and said, well, if Mr. Randy doesn't come, who's going to pray? We were just living our lives, but we made it an impact that impacts people. Your life makes a difference. Wherever you go, Jesus calls us to be salt, and he calls us to be light. And if we're expressing the love of Jesus, we're making a difference in people's lives. Don't ever discount that. So go ahead to the next slide. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. i got to finish the story. I, just, I stopped listening after that. No. no. She said. Yes, amen, amen. It was good. It was good. It was good. And there was a surprise look on her face. Oh, wow. The women pray. Okay, okay. See, this, just who you are. Just who you are. Just live out Christ. So, about two years ago in uh, March 2020, Right at COVID, um, we purchased a, a building in the neighborhood where there's uh, probably about 2,000 Syrians and uh, about 800 or 1,000 Afghans in the neighborhood in Detroit. And uh, so we, we purchased an a old dry cleaning place and uh, we began to remodel it and get into a, what, we, what we've titled a Hope, the Hope International Center uh, located on Warren Avenue um, between Greenfield uh, 
Greenfield Road and Southfield Freeway, and those are the progressions. First day we bought it, then some remodeling, and then uh, we just received a, a grant from the city of Detroit to do some facade remodel. So there it is on the right. You can go ahead to the next slide. This this center has been instrumental in us being able to um, do our ministry. So we we've developed outreaches that are specifically um, more gospel oriented, gospel presentations through these outreaches. We have active ministries. Uh, our compassion ministries. We started a tutoring club for elementary kids, citizenship classes, um, English as a second language. And uh, on the second floor of the apartment, um, we have, or second floor of the building, we have an apartment where we house newly arriving refugees. So go ahead to the next slide. We have a picture of some of the recent uh, Afghan uh, refugees. Uh, two men, uh, Eid Wali and Bakhtwali, uh, have uh, joined us now and uh, are living there. And uh, gives us an opportunity to uh, present the gospel to them and to talk a little bit more about Jesus and to just speak life into them. Uh, they've just so many difficult stories. I don't have time to go into too many of them, but um, Jesus is in the redemption business. Amen. <laughs> he takes a life and he will remodel it. And uh, if you will just allow him. Go ahead to the next slide. Um, we do, as I said, English as a second language, and so we have a number of, what I love about the picture uh, on the left is four people representing four different Middle Eastern countries, uh, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Iraq, and Syria, and uh, all in that area uh, of Detroit. Listen, this is how, this is what we believe. How many know that First Peter 3.9, Second Peter 3.9, says, God desires that none should perish. In the Old Testament, he says, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. I take no delight. God, God created each and every one of us. He has an eternity prepared for us. He desires that none should perish. We believe that God, at the refugee crisis in the Middle East, what you have is you have millions of people fleeing countries closed to the gospel. And they're ending up in countries where the gospel can be openly preached and they can openly receive. We believe it's God's hand. Acts 16 talks about God, it's a, that God appoints boundaries. He appoints places where people should live that they might seek Him and find Him. We believe that God has brought them here for the express purpose of hearing the good news. Go ahead to the next slide. Um, we, we do outreach, as I said. This is our International Women's Day. It's a day of blessing for our refugees. Um, this, uh, the, the recent one we did, a woman stood up and she just said, oh, I want to share something with you. And she showed appreciation for the team and my wife. And she said, I want to thank you. We've never been treated like this. We blessed them. They did all kinds of women's stuff, hair, nail stuff, all that stuff. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Go, go ahead to the next slide. We have a tutoring club for these kids, and um, just such a blessing. Uh, go ahead to the next slide. Puppet Day Outreach. We, the puppet team from Gladwin Assembly of God came and uh, ministered to the kids. And so, just real quick, again, you... Your life makes a difference. Your life makes a difference. Um, one of the, the um, 
the, they had a puppet show, and then afterwards, one of the uh, one of the, the moderator came and said, um, "I forget what the important the po- the important point of the story was, um, but one of the little Muslim girls stood up and said, I-, "I think the important point of that story was the one girl invited the other one to church." What an impact! Like she thought, like, "Oh, that's important." So, go ahead to the next slide. Those are just, there's these incremental things, these conversations that we have on the left for our World Refugee Day. Every June 20th, we celebrate World Wet Refugee Day, and we usually have a picnic type of thing. Go ahead to the next slide where we, um, and then we also um, have an uh, American Picnic Day where we take them to Fahola. Uh, I don't this Lost Valley's version down below, right? So, um, so we take them there, and uh, we've had chance, I've had an opportunity to share with my, the boys. One of them asked me a question. He said, uh, Mr. Randy, you say you follow Jesus. What does that mean? He said. I had an opportunity to share with them what it means to follow Jesus. See, these are the conversations we have because we're involved in their lives. We're involved in their lives. We're present when they have the questions. We've built the relationships. We've built the trust. And they ask us questions. Go ahead to the next slide. Um, so those are just some of the things that we, our, our ministry does and what we've been involved with and, and uh, how we, uh, in a sense, present the gospel. We present it by being who we are, followers of Jesus. And um, I just... Let me just preach here again for a minute. <laughs> Before I get to the preaching, this is the pre-preaching. I believe in our culture there's been a bit of a shift. It's just my opinion. But I see our culture becoming more and more cynical. Um, you know, people today are bombarded with ideas and uh, things that are sold to them, <laughs> things that are told them, follow this, do this. This YouTube video says this is the truth. This YouTube video says that's the truth. And I believe our culture is, is, is inundated with people who think they know the truth. <clears throat> I believe what's going to make a difference in people's lives is if they know you and how you live your life, and they can see the truth in you, I think the most powerful witness to Christ is the authentic witness that you bring each and every day as you live out Christ in their lives. Amen. Thank you for that. I just, I really believe it's going to be powerful and important going forward. And... Um, so you can, uh, we have a website, refugeesneedhope.com. You can um, check, check it out there, what we're doing. Um, we have teams come regularly and, and, and help us out. And so if you're interested in something like that, uh, go to our website and um, sign up for our newsletter. You can keep updated as to what we're doing. I also have prayer cards uh, and some other information, an article on Afghan refugees um, out uh, in, the, in the foyer. And so you can stop by and, and pick that up and. Um, just really appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you. Please pray for us. Um, the work that we, we do can be uh, overwhelming at times just because the need is so great. And uh, it's just 
But <clears throat> let me just say thank you also for the incredible... We, we can't do this by ourselves. This is, this is a collaborative effort with individuals and churches all around uh, Michigan and Ohio, even Ohio. Yeah, right? There are believers in Ohio that actually... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Somebody that's been a missionary to Ohio. <laughs> um, but in Indiana, <clears throat> churches like you guys, you support us. You allow us to be your hands extended into, into people that you might not meet this side of heaven. right? But you allow us to do that. And we're, we're grateful. We're humbled. We're thankful uh, that you've invested uh, in our ministry. And so we just want to say thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, and that's, but that's the beauty of the body of Christ, right? As Paul pointed out, you know, the hand can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. You know, we all have a part to play. We all have a role to play. You'll meet people I'll never meet. I'll meet people you'll never meet. But together, as we work together as the body of Christ, we can, uh, we can show the love of Jesus and help people find their destiny in heaven. Amen. And it's a beautiful picture that Paul paints. And uh, it's, living, it's being lived out in the city of Detroit through you, through you, through your work. And we appreciate that so much. Um, go ahead to the next slide. I want to move into the message. And so let, uh, I'd like to just pray for, for a moment. So if we could just bow our heads. <clears throat> Lord, you are good. And your mercy does endure forever. There's no wavering, no shadow of turning in your presence. You are the Lord who sits firmly on the throne of the universe. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You hold all things together by the word of your power. So, Lord, we're, we're thankful we can trust you. You're faithful to the end. Lord, and as we embark upon this next step in this time together where we open your word and see what you have to say. I ask the Holy Spirit uh, to speak to hearts and lives uh, as we open the word, the word which you have given to us, the word which is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And as we open the word, let it change us, let it transform us, let it encourage us, and let it move us forward in living our life for Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I see this on your website, Church Vision. Love God, love people, love to serve. Okay, So I see this and I think, oh, this is awesome. <clears throat> now, love God, oh, that's easy. Come on, can we be real? God's perfect. What's not to love about God? You come in, you know, you worship, you praise Him, you live your life, you praise Him in the morning three times a day, our brother said seven times a day, or continually in our mouth, right? We're praising Him, we're loving God, it's easy, He gave His life for us, He has shown us love, it's easy to love God. Love to serve, that's uh, often easy for many of us, love to serve, love to, you know, paint walls or, or clean or serve meals on wheels or, or whatever it is. Serving, many of us 
love to serve in some capacity. Serve on the worship team. I see your worship team, they, they worship passionately, and uh, so you can tell that they love being on worship team. They love serving in that way. Uh, the ushers were there on time. You know they love serving that way. And uh, all of these things, the sound text, love serving, I appreciate them so much. I, I'm a kind of a complicated guy. I have a lot of slides and things like that, and so I appreciate them so much. Love to serve. But love people? Eh, brother, you don't know who I go to church with. <laughs> love people. That's, uh, that could be... I think that's actually, I think that's the most difficult out of the three. I want to turn our attention, though, to Jesus. And this is the verse that you use for this. John 13, 34, and 35. Go ahead to the next slide. And just go ahead. Jesus said, New commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all, can somebody say all? <laughs> all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, when this took place, uh, Judas had just been released to do his thing. Okay? Jesus said, said, go, whatever you're going to do, do quickly. And he sends Judas out. Then he turns to the rest of the disciples, a room full of guys, a room full of dudes, and he says, love one another. So you got fishermen in here, you know, with their Bass Pro hats on, love one another. You got Matthew, the tax collector, he's been involved in some really seedy, with some really seedy people, some thugs. He says, Love one another. Love one another. Now, he, he's, we're, the great commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We get that. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's easier to love our neighbor than those we know that are closest to us. So we don't know them. We know the people. And we harbor things. We know the people closest to us. And that's why I think it's so significant that he says, love one another. He's not saying, you know, love the world at this point in time. There's a place for that. But he's saying, no, you know how you're going to make an impact as believers, as my disciples? If you have love, if you know how to love one another. Listen, it's easy to love God. It's easy to praise God on a mountaintop with flowing stream and flowers in the valley. And, and uh, even, uh, that's why I love coming uh, up north. It's just beautiful. Love it. It's easy to worship God then. It's easy to love then. The, the true test of your faith true test of your relationship with Jesus is, do you love the people in your congregation with the kind of passion that Christ has for them? That's the challenge for us all. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about those you go to church with. <laughs> Other followers of Jesus, do you love them as well? It's interesting, he says it's a new commandment. You would think that God has had this commandment all along, but Jesus has to, has to say, no, listen, it's not about 
following rules and regulations anymore. It's not about that. I've fulfilled that. The rules and regulations, it's not about that. It's about relationship now. It's about showing love for one another. It's not about you know, fasting on this day. It's not about following rules on this day. It's not about keeping the Sabbath. It's not about all of those things. It's about relationship with one another. That's how, that's how the world will recognize something's different about you. Something's different about you. And it's powerful. Friend, it's powerful. It makes an impact. It makes a difference. Jesus says the world will recognize you if you have love for one another. If the church that you uh, attend, if your brothers and sisters are unified in their relationship with me and their relationship with each other. Let me ask you a question. How well do you love one another? I can tell there's some good things here. I come in and I hear a lot of dialogue between people chatting, conversing, showing love for one another. That's good. I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Keep making sure your conversations are are encouraging and a blessing to one another. You might need to stop talking about the lions in order to do that. But keep encouraging, blessing one another. Can I just, I'm just going to be real here for a minute. Um, when I pastored the church, I often encouraged our folks, listen, you can talk about, yeah, it's the weather and sports and all those things that you're interested in, in but when we come together, can we, try to, can we try to really get to the serious stuff for a minute? Can we really take time and say, how are you doing? Hey, I remember last week you had this difficulty, and I, I prayed now, how's that going for you? What, what, what help? What help can I offer you? Oh, what, what help can I offer you this week? Because I know you're dealing with this thing. This is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We, we look out for one another. We encourage one another. We bless one another. Listen. I believe it's important for the church to move from religious institution to the body of Christ. We are not, I believe this is my opinion, so maybe I'll move away from the pulpit a little bit. This is just my opinion, okay? But I, I believe it to be true that we, we need to move away from the church being just this place where we study God to a place where we live out Christ in front of one another. We can know all about God. We can know where this chapter is, where, where this verse is, where he says this, where he says that. As a matter of fact, there's a story that I heard uh, one time where a guy was on a plane and he sat next to a bodybuilder and he was just a, just a frail, tiny guy. And he said, hey, how do I get to look like you? I want to I look like you. And he said, well, here's my book. You know, uh, Read it and uh, you'll, in a year you'll look like me. Well, it just so happened a year later, he saw, the, um, he saw the bodybuilder, and the guy still looked the same. He didn't look any different. And the bodybuilder said, hey, what happened? Uh, you know, did you read my book? Oh, yeah, yeah, read it. 
He said, I, I know, I can, I can, I memorize portions of it. I know what you said in this chapter. I know what you said in that chapter. He said, well, did you do the exercises? Oh. Oh, I had to do the exercises. Oh. Okay. That's kind of like us, right? We can, we can, and it's good to study. It's good to study the Word of God, but that study has to be applied then to your life. You have to live it out. That's what makes a difference. Now, as believers, the, the, you know what the cool thing, the cool thing is? I don't know. My kids wouldn't allow me to say that. Dad, you're, you've got to use different words. You've got to use words from your generation, not, not, yeah. The good thing is we are equipped through the power that Christ brings to love same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells on the inside of us. And so we now have the power through the Holy Spirit. I see that in your mission statement you say that, that, that you, you are a church who through the power of the Holy Spirit will be able to share the good news. Well, through His power, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be exhibited in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are now exhibited in your life for the purpose of building one another up. In the most holy faith, Jude 20 says. Build one another up in the most holy. You now have the power to say yes to the things you should say yes to and no to the things you should say no to. One of the most beautiful things that, that, that happened in my life when I gave my life to Christ was I was able to walk away from all the destructive behavior that led to my demise before, and I had the power now to say no to the things I should say no to, but just as importantly, to say yes to the things I should say yes to. Love, mercy, grace, serving. To say yes to the things Jesus Wanted me to say, I, little did I know it would end up put me in Detroit. <laughs> I would say, you know, God is crazy. He took a middle-aged white guy from rural West Michigan, put him in an African-American community to reach Arabs for Jesus. Uh, who does that? That sounds like a government program or something. I don't know. Romans 5, 5 says the love of Christ is shed abroad in our heart now. The love of Christ is shed abroad in our heart now once we have given our lives to Christ. What kind of marks a true disciple? Secondly, love marks a true disciple. 1 John 4, 16, by this we life. Am I losing this? Yeah, maybe the batteries. Let me just use this. Okay. Praise the Lord. And I, I love the fact that you have blessed Pastor uh, Norm and his wife with some time away. What a, that's an awesome, awesome example of the love that you show your pastor. Uh, and... Uh, I just I think that's just an incredible thing, an amazing thing, and uh, a beautiful thing. And so I commend you 
uh, for that. What kind of love marks the true disciple? 1 John 4, 16-18 says, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Come on. <laughs> wow. That's not following rules and regulations. That's not being a spirit-filled believer is following rules and regulations. No, it's laying down our lives for our brethren. You know, I was at your founder's parade yesterday and uh, was seeing the, the fire trucks go by and I thought, thank God we still have men and women who are willing to go into burning buildings to rescue people because they love. <laughs> they love. Thank God we have EMS that are willing to, to put themselves in, in dangerous situations perhaps to to show love for one another. You know, each and every day we have an opportunity. Uh, every, one of my favorite sayings is, every day we make a way. Every day we have the choice to show love to someone. But verse 17 says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother needs and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? It's a rhetorical question. It doesn't. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Indeed and in truth. It doesn't always mean meeting physical needs. It, it might mean emotional needs, meeting emotional needs, being there for someone, caring for someone. And your name may not ever make the papers. May, no one may ever recognize you. But the eyes of heaven are upon you. The Lord of glory sees. He sees you. Jesus' love is selfless, sacrificial, indiscriminate, understanding, and forgiving. Those are the hallmarks of true love. I believe if the church existed in that kind of love, it would absolutely overwhelm the world. What could they say about us? But as they experience the love of Christ, you truly love. You guys truly love. I had one uh, uh, woman say to me, one of our uh, uh, Muslim women say to me, I, they, uh, Mr. Randy, why are you doing this? Because we love you. She said, I know that you love us by the way you treat us. They get that. Everybody gets that. What Jesus is saying here, the world will recognize you not by your eloquent speeches, not exclusively by your great arguments, not by your insightful teaching, not by your displays of great wisdom, but by your love for one another. It's powerful. Not that, though, not that we're not involved in those things. We are. But we're doing it with the backdrop of our love for one another. And listen, Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 13. He talks about how well, let me just read it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing 
And if I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now listen, that was not written in the Bible so preachers could have something to say at weddings. That was written to the church. We, the, the, the power gifts are awesome. The, faith, the, healing, the, the miraculous healings that take place, they're awesome. When God moves mountains, it's awesome. When God um, blesses with the $1.3 billion in the lottery, that's awesome. But that pale, if you don't have love, you actually have nothing. That's what Paul's saying. You have nothing. So that's how important love is. Now, let me just, and I'm, I'm getting ready to close. See how I said that? I'm getting ready to close. It's good. It's good. I heard something about somebody watching at 6 o'clock, and I was like, oh, what? I have till 6 o'clock? But no. No, not true. The voice of the Holy Spirit that often sounds like my wife's is telling me, no, not 6 o'clock. Let me give you some practical examples of what I'm talking about. So, um, my daughter growing up, uh, she was into ballet. She loved ballet. And so, you know, and um, let me just tell you, uh, I'm not into ballet. I, I don't love ballet. It's not something I... But she does. So I would take her to the practices. I would sit through to our, our recitals. Why? Because I love her. I love her. Now listen, here's the practical piece. Brother so-and-so might be doing this, and that's not your thing. You don't really, eh, the book of Revelation, I, it's, uh, I, but it, the expression of love for brother so-and-so is we go. Sister so-and-so is doing this. She has this ministry. That's not really my thing, but I support her. I, I'm there for her. I offer my help, my prayer. I support her. I encourage her because I am called to love other believers, the people I go to church with. That's the, the practical nature of this love, is it may not be my thing. You know, we have to stop uh, in our churches. We, we have to stop having a buffet mentality when it comes to church. Oh, I like that uh, preaching. I like that teaching, so I'll, I'll attend that. Oh, I like this outreach thing that they're doing, so I'll, I'll attend that. That other thing, that's not my thing. I, and we, we act like it's a buffet. We pick and choose. No, we're called to love and support one another, no matter what ministry we're involved in. Inside the walls or outside the walls, we're called to support and encourage one another. Not because it's our thing, but because we love them. Just like I would go to the ballet. No one wants to go to sixth grade band recitals. But there you are. Why? Because you love them. Same in the church. Do we love that person? Yes. So we're there supporting them. We're showing up. We're cheering them on. We're encouraging them. 
There's a lot of things people are doing in the church. Are you there? Are you supporting them? Are you encouraging them? Are you building one another up? Are you praying for them? Are you doing what you can to make sure they're encouraged? That's what I'm talking about. Our verse said, not in tongue, but in deed and in action. Love is an action word. <laughs> love is a, a verb. It's an action word. You can't just love in word only. I love you. He says, and you say, be warm and well-fed, and the person has nothing. That's not love. Love is an action word. Being here when people are serving and doing ministry in the church for, for prayer meetings or prayer gatherings, for teaching, for serving, for outreach, for giving. These are the things you need to be involved in to express your love. What is the key? What I believe is the key for all of this is humility. Humility. I'm not talking about false humility, <laughs> like you pretend you're being humble, but really being humble. Paul said in another part of his uh, letter to the Corinthians, esteem others above yourself. Esteem others above yourself. Uh, just want to bless you by being here, praying with you. When you have the prayer meeting or the prayer, I, I, don't, I don't know if you have this prayer chain or prayer thing, being a part of that. We used to call it that back in the 100 years ago. I was quoting, I, uh, I memorized King James, and someone said, you memorized King James, is that because you were born when it first came out? <laughs> Harsh. Harsh. Suffer from age discrimination. It's brutal. It's brutal. My wife, the Holy Spirit wants me to move on. I mean, actually, it's Philippians. I said Corinthians. Philippians, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests but look to the needs of others. Oh, I like this about the church. I like that. I go to this. I go to that because that's the things I like. No, it's not about that. It's about being together and supporting and encouraging one another. I believe one of the problems we have about concerning love is this. This is where a challenge comes in. We measure the love we give by the level of love we receive. I mean, that, that's a problem that we have. We often love with the same measure <laughs> that we are shown love. And, it, and Christ is calling us to rise above that, isn't he? Being humble enough to say, I will continue to love and support you rather than harbor bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Why did this person get that role? Why are they up there? Why did they do that? I wanted to do that. Um, I'm not, you know, I know that person. I know what that person said. I'm not going to help them because they said this about that other person. Come on now. Gossip kills the church. Gossip kills the church. We're called to forgive and love and keep moving forward. 
Can you find somebody to love today? Can you find somebody to support and encourage? Start with your spouse. That'd be a good idea. You've lived with them the long. You know. You know no one knows that person better than you do. Friends, start there. What today are you going to do? Real love. Listen. Real love costs. <laughs> the, that's the reason I think it's the hardest. It costs. Love is messy. It's messy. That person might not return your love. It's difficult. It's messy. But Jesus calls us to that, doesn't he? And he showed us. He showed us how to do it. To be committed. To sacrifice. To go to the end for that person. You see, love really does matter. Let me end with a story. Love really does matter. Let me end by asking you this question. What are you going to do for your brothers and sisters to show them that you love them? What's one thing, what's one tangible thing you can do to show your brother or your sister you love them? And I'll close with this story. The night the Titanic sank in 1912 on April 14th, 1,528 people went into the frigid waters. John Harper, after putting his only daughter on a lifeboat, was seen swimming frantically to people in the water, leading them to Jesus before the hypothermia became fatal. Reverend Harper swam to one young man who had climbed up on a piece of debris. Reverend Harper asked him between breaths, Are you saved? The young man replied that he was not. Harper then tried to lead him to Christ, only to have the young man who was near shock reply, No. John Harper then took off his life jacket and threw it to the man and said, Here then, you need this more than I do, and swam away to other people. A few minutes later, Harper swam back to the young man and succeeded in leading him to salvation. Hallelujah. He wouldn't give up. Love compelled him to give him his life jacket and to swim back to him. Even though he could have stayed on with his daughter, he could have. He certainly loved his daughter. A few minutes later, Harper swam back to the young man and succeeded, leading him to salvation. Of the 1,528 people that went into the water that night, six were rescued by the lifeboats. One of them was this young man on the debris. Four years later, at a survivor's meeting, this young man stood up and in tears recounted how John Harper had led him to Christ. Reverend Harper had tried to swim back to help other people, yet because of the intense cold, had grown too weak to swim. His last words before going under in the frigid waters were, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. This servant of God did what God had called him to do. While other people were trying to fight their way into lifeboats, he was willing to show the love of Christ to someone and help them see an eternal destiny that included heaven. Church, 
Let's, let's be intentional about our lives. Let's be intentional about our love for one another so that the world could see Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Hallelujah. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. You have quickened in our hearts and our minds this expression of love. Love for one another, love for the lost, love for the world. Let us so love Christ that that, that love just exudes from our lives, first to our brethren and Christ and to the world. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to respond to the challenge of love? To love one another as you have loved us. A love that's unconditional, unwavering, unforsaking. Your love that stretches to the farthest horizons. It reaches to the deepest of oceans. It climbs to the highest of mountains. Nowhere can I hide from your love. And may that encourage me to love one another as you have loved me. Lord, thank you for the time that we've had to be together. We are the body of Christ. When we come together, your word says that you're present. You're here. And where you're here, miracles happen. (laughs) I pray today. If you need a miracle, would you just lift up your hand? Hallelujah. If you see a hand lifted, you just want to be near that person, just lay a hand on them and we're going to pray and believe. You don't need, you don't need. What you need is a miracle. And the presence of Jesus is here. There's no trick, there's no pattern, there's no method, there's no equation. It's the presence of Christ that brings miracles. Right now, Lord, I pray for every hand that that is raised. Let the miracle-working power of Christ be released into that person's situation. Be released into that person's situation. You prayed. You taught, taught us to pray. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no depression. There's no discouragement. There's no doubt. There's no fear. Your will be done on earth in that situation as it is in heaven. Open up the skies above them, Lord, and pour out your miracle-working power through the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever, to the glory of your name, to the praise of your glory. Lord Jesus, Jesus, no weapon formed against us can prosper, and every tongue that rises up it shall cease. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. In this life I'll have tribulation, but I can be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. With him I can run through a troop, I can leap over a wall, because my God reigns. My God reigns. 
My God reigns over my situation. He reigns over my problem. He reigns over my difficulty. And He's bringing to pass that which He has spoken into my life, that I am more than a conqueror, and that He is, that I am well able. I am well able. Lord, thank you for the time we've had to be together, Jesus. Sense your presence. Love you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed if you want to. Make sure you show your love for one another. Hallelujah.